Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromean specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I'm your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and we are on Season 2, Episode 5. It's been a great Season 2 so far. We've talked about hormones. We've talked about thyroid. We've talked about the gut-brain connection. Dr. Stewart has given us all of his medical expertise on a lot of different subjects. But today, our topic is going to be cold, flu, or allergies. How do you know the difference? <laughs> right, Dr. Okay. Stewart? That's it's good... confusing. Well, yeah. It's very confusing. And I it was just be. talking before the show, I was talking to some people saying, you know what? Like, you know, how do you know if it's just really bad allergies or maybe you're walking around with the flu and you don't even realize it? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to start with a few facts as I love to do. I'm a okay. statistics kind of person. Sure. So I just want to tell you a little bit about the flu statistics for 2014 and 15. So there's so many websites out there. It was crazy when I was looking. Flu.gov, flunearyou.com, googleflu.com, and of course the CDC stats, the Centers for Disease Control. But what sort of flu season are we already having? You know, flu season to me typically starts around school time, right? Uh, a little bit later. A little bit later? Yeah. Well, so right now the flu-associated hospitalization rate among people 65 and older is the highest ever recorded since 2005. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy to me. And as of February 28, the hospitalization rate in this age group was 266 per 100,000 in that population. Correct. And we're going to talk about that. Why are the older folks getting sick? It also talks about the younger kids, though, children four and under, having the second highest hospitalization rate. And that's kind of worrisome, worrisome too, as a mom, you know, with a seven-year-old. So you're feeling pretty lousy. You've got the sniffles. You're sneezing. you got a sore throat. Is it a cold, a flu, or allergies? And it can be really hard to tell them apart. So Dr. Stewart is an immune expert, virus expert, ear, nose, and throat surgeon, blah, 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 lots of things. But... Doctor, tell us what. Tell, let's start with flu. What, what is what is the flu? Well, I wish I could tell you that it's easier these days to tell than it used to be. Um, that's actually not the case. What we what we typically have found as far as flu and more severe infections is you you really judge it by fever. Uh, the problem is is that we now have these live nasal flu vaccines, mm-hmm. which but, are viruses, which are viruses, and they are flu viruses. And the problem is is that they vaccinate live viruses up kids nose that's what they typically recommend and they denature those viruses so unfortunately many people can actually catch or be exposed to these denatured flus and they won't get fever. what do you mean by denatured like to weaken it they weaken it yeah. the strain that's okay because right. they don't want to give you the full strain of flu because you'll get sick right and so what will happen is many times people react to that and really catch the flu but it looks more like a cold or an allergy. Yeah, and I found it interesting. You don't always have to have a fever to have the flu. No, but you typically have, basically the the way you can actually tell the most accurately is the severity of the immune response. Now, what an immune system does when it's actually stimulated, and you gotta think that influenza stimulates it more than cold, and mm-hmm. cold stimulates it more than allergy. Okay. Okay, but basically it's the severity of the response. So what you really judge that on is basically 
what are the classic symptoms? You know, do you have a cough? Do you have a sore throat? Do you have a runny or stuffy nose? Do you have the body aches? That's so the big body one, aches right? is a big the one. Difference. Okay. Uh, headaches, chills, obviously can go with fever. But unfortunately, we'll find a lot of people that have subtle cases of flu that look like a cold. Mm-hmm. And so really the only way you can actually tell is you can either do uh, an influenza screen or you can actually do a blood test to tell whether you've had it or not. So now, you really don't know if you have a cold or a flu if, unless you got that test? Typically not. Now, if you've been around somebody that does have flu, obviously you can tell that you have it more. Now, the classic flu, the one you check, check wild or you catch from a wild type, which is a normal type, is really going to give you more of a um, classic high fever, high chills Tired. You, know, you just body aches. You feel terrible, and you just got <laughs> you just get devastated for several days. Yeah. Now another way to actually tell in kids because kids' immune respo- responses are different is basically influenza has a way to actually um, basically bind to certain receptors on the nervous system, and so typically kids with colds versus flus, kids can start acting kind of crazy on with influenza. Yeah. Is that with the the strep titer or the strep virus no, that sometimes it activates? No, strep's or? a bacteria, oh, not okay. a virus. Getting off topic here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, basically influenza has an ability to actually attack the NMDA receptor, which is the receptor that we have for glutamic acid or, or GABA. Okay. And that's can, what keeps us calm? It keeps us calm. And so these kids can get kind of wild and crazy. And so really, if you ever look at your kid and they've been a little bit sick and all of a sudden they act like not, not your kid and you look at them and say, that is not my baby then you probably have an influenza. Let me ask you this. So Dylan, you know, my seven-year-old, he mm-hmm. got really sick two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We got, um, took him to the doctor. He got on antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And then now he's got dark circles under his eyes, and he's acting crazy, bananas crazy. Yeah, so that could be a lot of things. But the dark circles are just telling the immune system has released its chemical mediators, mm-hmm. the ones that actually tell the immune system to get on high alert and do a lot of aggressive things. And he's super hyper. And super hyper, because basically what happens is you put your body on high alert. And so what, what would you recommend that we do for him then? Well, what you probably want to do is you want to give him something to kind of calm the inflammation down. So you may use some ibuprofen. You may use some um, sometimes you can use some hydrocortisone. Sometimes you PRP immune sprays, uh, PRP pro, 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 the proline rich polypeptides. Correct. And then you also talk sometimes about yeast with the antibiotics. It gets sure. out of control. Absolutely. That's what I always think of with them. And then we put them on an antifungal and it tends to Well, to and go so away. typically what you're going to notice with yeast, those people tend to crave, crave a lot of sugar. Oh my gosh, yes, he does. And so all they really want is sugar. And that's, you know, everybody's kind of thought that yeast is eating sugar, but really it just has to do with them. Yeast is so stimulating to the immune system. In fact, it's we have an immune system called the innate immune system that we actually pop out of our mamas, and that's a system that's ready to react. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be exposed. And yeast is one of the most stimulating things to the immune system. So you'll get the dark circles. Uh, adults will usually get very fatigued. So when I've had it before, I'll go home, and instead of playing with the kids, I'll fall asleep You're on the couch. You're wiped out. Kids do the opposite. Kids just get really wired up, yeah. running around like crazy. And, you know, those are those are just classic things. And antibiotics and, and yeast go together. Typically, you start using antibiotics, you're going to get some yeast problems. Well, in, again, in that, so everybody's on antibiotics around this time of year, sometimes, you know, because everybody's getting sick. But with the yeast issue, you think it's allergies because they're over the flu or they're mm-hmm. over that, that illness. But then they've got these dark circles and they're sneezing and they're runny nose. And so, again, allergies, yeast overgrowth, what? Well, no, you're, con- you're confusing it. What you're talking about is an immune response. Okay. Okay, whether it's yeast, yeast will look like allergies, but allergies are things that are in the environment that stimulate the same immune response. And it's hard now, to tell, though. Now, yeast 
activity in the body can make your allergies worse, meaning ah. even your allergic response worse, because it depends on what state is the immune system in. So classic why, classically, why we like proline-rich polypeptides, they come from colostrum. Mm-hmm. What we know about little babies is that mother's milk or colostrum has lots of proteins that actually tell the immune system to balance itself. It doesn't let it go one way or the other too aggressively. So a weak immune system, it tells it to strengthen, and a over-aggressive immune system, it tends to calm it down. And, and you know, you have those products and PRP sprays and yeah. other things, and those are really beneficial in this time of year. Yeah, and I found an interesting fact about PRPs. It's like colostrum is the mainstay of the feedlot, but when calves are separated from their mothers, they fall prey to debilitating fatal infections. So there's the colostrum is sold to factory farms and put in the cattle feed. Mm-hmm. To keep sure. them from dying. Well, you're modifying the immune system. Wow. That, so it's just the same for people. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Cows and people. A very well, similar you concept. You can't afford to have a newborn baby catch a bad infection. Yeah, that's it true. It doesn't work out well. The and the spray's system. nice because you can spray it in your mouth. It, it tastes good. It doesn't taste bad. Sure. You can use it during this time of year. Okay, so let me get back to the to the flu really quick because, um, you know, there's some medications that some people recommend. What are your thoughts on that? When you, If you know truly it's the flu, can you use... Some kind of medications, antivirals or anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in most flu situations these days, you have to use some Tamiflu. Okay. Especially if the kid's acting really crazy. Um, We do sometimes when we have a lot of neurological effects, we have to overlay with the Tamiflu some amantadine. Okay, and that's another antiviral? Yeah, it's an antiviral. It's actually a multifaceted drug. It's actually derived from the Chinese anise plant. Okay. Amantanine is one of the older medicines. It used to be an anti-flu drug, but it doesn't kill flu anymore. It really just kind of protects the nervous system Ah. from the flu's effects. Okay. And so in kids who have had a lot of negative effects, um, you know. And you're talking about post-flu. Yeah, I'm talking, well, yeah, I'm talking about prevention, too. So if you've had kids who have had problems with flu in the past and, and we get into, you know, kids with horrible ADD, ADHD, uh, focus problems, et cetera, um, we a lot of times will put them on a small dose of amantadine to just kind of uh, keep their brains from being attacked by the flu. Yeah, because it can get into the brain, so to speak. Well, it doesn't get into the brain. It, it binds a receptor that causes some changes at the brain level. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I've seen, like, you talk, I've heard you talk about kids that, you know, maybe their tics get worse or their yeah, symptoms, well, OCD know, that's, gets worse. Those are my kids. Those are the kids that come to see me who have these significant immune dysfunctions. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, when the tics get worse and those types of things happen, you have a condition we call PANS, P-A-N-S, uh, Pediatric Autoimmune Neurological Disorder. I really think it's immune, but not autoimmune, but that's what it's called. And basically, we just have to um, help those kids uh, stabilize. Okay. Yeah, I know a lot of parents that call in about that kind of stuff. And uh, oftentimes, we're we're just referring them over to you because <laughs> they sure. need medical uh, help with that. Right. So uh, back to the flu again. So each year, CDC, the government reports certain virus or strain that may affect us for the coming year. Right. How do they how do they know that? Like last year, apparently the bird flu came from a flock in Kansas. So how do they how do they find all that information and trace it back to a little flock in the backyard in Kansas? Well, um, <laughs> is this a long answer? It's a super long answer. It has to do with epidemiology. And, you know, what I will tell you is that uh, a lot of that is very scientific and how you come about it. The way they actually choose what variants are going to come is they look at general trends because, you know, we have the southern half of the, the, the world 
in winter when we have the northern half of the world in summer and opposite. So okay. a lot of it's kind of a transitional traveling around flu the world. that kind of goes around the world. And we, we, we judge it a year to a year and a half uh, ahead of time, basically, so you can make flu vaccines and other things. Oh, and, gotcha. that. and So basically, a lot of it's uh, statistical. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to break right there. We've got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. No two people are the same. Our health issues and our nutritional needs are as unique as our smiles. That's why our mission at Neurobiologics is simple. Provide quality nutrition that changes lives, one formula at a time. Developed through a collaboration with top U.S. physicians, each Neurobiologics formula carefully targets specific health issues. I can't tell you how much supplementation has helped our family. Being able to put back in their bodies what they were missing, we had dramatic results. We had focus in school. We had children that were able to sleep through the night. We had children that had their moods regulated. What we're interested more in neurobiologics is replenishing the insufficiencies that the body has in order to recover the underlying problem and reestablish the nervous system and immune system normal function. Each of us is unique. Shouldn't your supplement be too? Neurobiologics. We are changing lives one formula at a time. All right, and we are back with part two of Coffee with Dr. Stewart, season two, episode five. We're talking about flu, cold, allergies, and how do you know the difference and what, what should you do about it? We pretty much covered the flu in the first half and colds in general. Um, I did want to touch real quick, Dr. Stewart, because, you know, you, you deal with a lot of viruses. You know, when viruses are active, in that would be a flu, correct? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. How does it reach other people? Are they airborne? Is it transmitted by touching someone else? What's, what's the easiest way that someone well, can influenza track is, is airborne. So okay. it's tra- it travels on droplet particles. When you sneeze or when you breathe, you're, you're transitioning particles of water. So when you talk fluids. about those vaccines in the children's nose, and then they go out and sneeze at school. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll transmit it to other kids. Not in the, not in the strength that you have from, okay. from a live nasal vaccine up your nose. But in general, it's going to be spread around. And, you know, to some degree, that's um, a positive thing. To some degrees, it can be a negative thing for some of my kids who have immune weakness. That was my next question. So, mm-hmm. you know, they recommend in older people and young kids. And what if they have a really weak immune system? Do you recommend that? Well, the only time we don't want to recommend vaccines is when we have a pr- problem with the T-cells. Okay. So the T-cells are the immune system or cells that actually have to recognize the foreign agent present it to the other cells to develop uh, vaccination immunity. Autoantibodies, So right. if we have a child who has super low T cells, um, like for instance, AIDS patients, we don't give vaccines yeah. to AIDS patients because they have super low we immune that. cells, so it doesn't, isn't effective. So basically, you know, what I typically champion because I happen to see it, now I'm skewed. If, I'm, if I was a family practice doctor, I probably wouldn't have this opinion. Yeah. Okay. But people who come to see me have affected immune systems. It's mm-hmm. just what they do. So if you look at the T cells, you'll always know if they're weak, then you're probably not going to be successful with the vaccine, what the vaccine's supposed to do. And it could hurt, harm them, potentially. The answer is yes. Depends on now. If you're doing live viruses, that's a problem. Typically, yeah. when you're doing dead viruses or you're doing bacterial vaccines, pieces and parts vaccine, the answer is probably it just can't. Okay. But live viruses, we get worried because if you're, it is a live virus. Now, they do denature these viruses. Yeah. 
which means that they make them weaker, but it still can negatively affect these kids because they get really sick. Yeah. Okay. And so you'll hear lots of stories, and especially my patients. Oh, I got the flu shot, and then I caught the flu. Yeah. You know, I caught the flu from the flu shot. That's happened to me. Sure. That's because you got a screwed up immune system. I know. Thank you very much for that. And hopefully it's a lot healthier now. It but, is. Thank you. I got the whole idea twice last year. None but the whole year. idea is, you know, vaccines is a touchy topic. Uh, as you know, it's, a, it's so. a hot point. Um, what I just want to tell you is not everybody's the same. Yep. And for all medicines, we're learning from genetics that all medicines are not right for all people. And so really the initiative by the government even now is the right medicine for the right patient at the right time. Based on your genetics. Based on your genetics. So. And that's called personalized medicine. Well, it's the same way with vaccines. Even though we want to obtain herd immunity, unfortunately, all of our herd uh, immune systems are not the same. Yeah. So if you try to put, and so there are 5% of kids that are theoretically, we can give them 100 vaccines and they'll never become immune because their immune cells are not effective. Oh, okay. So really from a herd immunity standpoint, our target is basically a 95% effective rate but there are going to be kids no matter how many times you try to vaccinate them that will not obtain immunity and those are kids with poor immune cells so my philosophy is that we have to i would prefer if the pediatricians would actually check the immune cells before Mm -hmm. they give them a vaccine and that's a simple blood test right because unfortunately i happen to 70 percent of the patients who come to see me whose children are sick in some form or fashion who believe that the vaccine did hurt their child whether Mm -hmm. it was immunological stimulation whether it was the live virus whether it was any of these other things we're talking about i have to believe the parent i can't just ignore them yeah well with that many people coming in and saying the same thing so i don't want to get into a big argument with everybody in the country that's not my my point my point is we got to understand that there are some people that get un characteristic responses to vaccines. Yeah, I mean, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Nobody no, is. it never so, will be. And that's why I love genetics, pharmacogenetics, nutrigenomics. I mean, it tells you exactly what you well, need. It's, it's time to become scientific. Yeah, and yes. that's one of our next shows, um, ladies and gentlemen, coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about how you can get genetic testing for nutrition, for medications, and a lot of other things. So let's get to this real quick. So allergies. Mm-hmm. You see tons of allergies. You're sure. your nose and throat specialist. So with allergies... There's usually a runny nose, dark circles, you don't feel good, you're kind of low in fatigue. Sure. So if there's no fever and there's no body aches, is that kind of how you determine the difference well, between flu? Yeah, and flu, certainly between flu. Now, cold can be other other kinds of confusing. Basically, allergies last longer. Okay. Okay, and they're also, you'll check the reports in the paper or online or whatever, and you'll see there's an allergen in the air. Cedar for me is, well, so kills cedar, me. I so, get cedar fever. You know, if you're listening from somewhere else, if you've never been to Austin during starting Christmas Day and extending to about February, there is a haze in the air of... Um, cedar. It's basically called uh, blueberry juniper. Oh. And if you go out to the western United States, it's redberry juniper, but basically the juniper trees basically bloom are those cedar family they call them cedars they're really not a cedar family okay but they're a juniper family and it is just a thick haze that can be on the blue skies days when the wind's up Uh um you you just see it in my eyes are red my they're swollen i can barely breathe right and then i um sometimes we'll have to get a steroid shot and then that will help with the the symptoms i have patients that during that time of year line up and get steroid shots because there's no other way to get it to calm down i used to call it a cedar fever shot till you corrected me so (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh where's that cedar fever shot (laughs) so the problem is is that cedar coincidence 
coincides with um, flu season. Okay. And so it can be it's very confusing. Tell. And actually, if your body is knocked down from cedar or from an allergen, and there, there's indoor allergens and all that. So when you go up to the northern United States, all the houses are shut up during the cold winter months yeah. and the dust and everything accumulates. You are at higher risk because the immune system is being challenged by allergies to then kept subsequently catch Gosh, it's like a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Every year. Mm-hmm. And people are miserable. Well, I mean, the answer is basically what you want to do is strengthen your immune system okay. as best as possible. That's where we're going now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about, I want you to give us a brief, this, I know this may not be easy to, to give us, but in what you tell patients, what does the immune system do? The immune system protects you from anything that's trying to attack you or do harm to the body. Okay. So the immune system is in every cell or is it? A... No, it's a bunch of cells that are essentially like having police officers in a party district. Okay. <laughs> Down 6th Street. Yeah, they keep bad things from happening. Okay. okay. And the more you have, the less party problems there are. Oh, okay. So the so more immune really cells. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to look at it. Right. And so basically we have all types of modulators. And modulators are basically vitamins, minerals, nutritional things, actually hormones. And mm-hmm. so really the best way to do it, make sure your thyroid's healthy and okay. normal. Make sure that your... We talked about that on episode mm-hmm. two with hormones and thyroid. Make sure your hormones are, are very adequate, meaning men with low testosterone, women with hormonal insufficiencies certainly are much more prone to having immune dysfunction. Okay. Okay. You want to make sure your vitamin D is very good in its level. It's what we call a secosteroid. Yeah. Now, what vitamin D does is tells the immune system to calm down and react appropriately. Okay. It's an immune modifier. It says it breaks, it puts the brakes on well, I mean, for immune responses. Yeah, you know, that's kind of a simple way to say it. Well, what about like, you know, during the winter months, we don't get as much sun. Yeah, so the whole is it good is, to supplement with a vitamin D? It really D? has a lot more to do than just sun. It has to do with how you absorb it, how you deliver that's it. That's genetics. All that types of stuff. That's yeah. genetics. And so, really, it's not as much to do with the sun. But it's not going to hurt you to take a vitamin D supplement. No, and in fact, we typically recommend it during the winter. Okay. Okay. And really, the best way to deliver it, it's hard to deliver vitamin D. You want to use probably a mycelized drop. Yeah. Mycelized means it's in a fat bubble and it's absorbed quite a bit better than just taking general vitamin D without any mycelization. And you also want to make sure a lot of people swear by vitamin C and yeah. antioxidants. Uh, there's think, there's good and bad on that. Some people say you have to have such high doses, then it upsets your stomach. So well, sure. it's not going to really it. do much. You well, know? you don't want to overdo it. Now, vitamin C has various levels of therapeutic benefit. But it's essential. So you can't take oral vitamin C and help cancer risk. Yeah. Okay. That requires IV vitamin C. But low levels of vitamin C certainly help you. Okay. Okay. Uh, you want to help selenium because you want your thyroid to work yep, well. You want to use zinc because it tends to help the immune system. So basically, um, you know, what we put together at Neurobiologics was we put together a a combination of all those, yeah. of those minerals, because there's no sense in buying separate bottles and taking all these different bottles. We also tend to use natural things that tend to help the immune system control infections. So, yeah, like I had olive, olive leaf extract. I know that's in our neuroimmune infection yeah. control. And grape then, seed extract, grapefruit seed extract, uh, lysine. A big combination of things mm, to support. lauric acid. All those types of things tend to help. And what they just do is they create an environment in the serum and in, in the, the cell, in the body, that makes it kind of not favorable for infections to take hold. Yeah, like I always, I've, uh, the way I try and explain is like, you know, the neuromine infection control, you take it, it creates an environment in the body where those kind of things just can't survive. Right, and then really good hygiene, washing your hands. Yeah, 
Um, you <laughs> that know, would be good, especially with a seven-year-old. Correct. I always get sick because he's teaching, sick. Teaching good hygiene to your kids. You know, another thing I found was probiotics. Because you know, we talked about the gut-brain connection. Probiotics can be a big immune support. Right, and what that really has to do is with the um, the beta glucans in it that are just like the proline-rich peptides. Yep. They essentially modify the immune system to do the appropriate thing and not overreact or underreact. And then uh, and the good point is that if you listen to the episode before this, is you've got a healthy gut, and then therefore your brain may function better because you feel well. Yeah, it's really you know it's you know everything in the body is a lot more complicated than we like to make. Yeah, it. I know. In fact, the more I know, we only the, got like twenty five minutes. The dumber I feel. Um, <laughs> but in general, what you want to do is just follow the you know the guidelines that are fairly simple and straightforward. Eat well. Yeah, um, lots of get sleep. Good, get good nutrition, uh, wash your hands, have good hygiene, uh, stay away from sick people. Um, you know, basically, the better your diet during the winter, and unfortunately, we, a lot of times we don't eat very good during the winter, but like those real hardy, those real, well, those real hardy vegetable soups, things like that are very, are actually very beneficial Oh, to that's you. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like my sure. favorite stew. Right, and so you want to eat that. You don't want to just slack off in the winter. You want some really great nutrition. All right, Dr. Stewart. Well, I think that was a, a good show, and we got to get some good information out there. So maybe now people will know the difference if they've got the flu, a cold, or allergies. As he said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to your doctor if you're really that sick or your child's sick. Extra fluids, you know, turn down the heat, avoid drafts, wash your hands, get enough sleep, and eat good. And hopefully we can keep this flu season under control this year. So I'm Kara Stewart Mullins, and we thank you for being on Coffee with Dr. Stewart, and have a blessed Sunday. All right. God bless you. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.